And now, a presentation on the Mental Health News Radio Network. The Outer Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show. Ryan, that is a freaking awesome question. Yeah, great question. You are the power. And you do not need anybody's permission. Great question. You're, you're a great interviewer. You're one of the best. That is literally a brilliant question. If this is the best God can do, I am not impressed. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the Out of Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show, OutofLimitsRadio.com. I'm your host, Ryan. Very pumped up about our featured guest for this evening. I have a tremendous amount of respect for this individual He's an eternal optimist. He sees the world in a positive-like way. Can you believe that? With all the craziness going on and the Kardashians on TV, he's like, you know what? No, this is we're gonna have we're gonna come out of this. I love it. Love the positive energy. One of the wonderful things about doing the Out of Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show is that I get to meet individuals such as our featured guest and people like Chris Dwayne or Gerald Salente or even Dr. Ron Paul talk to them, get to just hear and see how they see the world. And I believe that as we continue to talk to these individuals and learn how they think and get a lot of their wisdom, we can all, you know, hopefully bring about a positive change in the world, the positive change that we're all hoping for. That being said, let us start tonight's program. Welcoming back to the program is Mr. Joe Martino. He is the creator of the Collective Evolution. It's an incredible organization that's helping millions of people embrace positive change. When I say positive, we've had a lot of people on our program before. Joe actually has a positive perspective outlook. I mean, he actually believes that we humanity has a chance, so we have to commend him for doing that. Mr. Martino, welcome back to the program. It's a great honor to have you with us. Yeah, thank you so much for having me back on here again, and I appreciate the introduction there. I look forward to the discussion. Excellent. And uh, to learn more about Joe, please, you want to go to Collective Evolution. That is collective-evolution.com. Okay, Joe, in the past year, what are some of the trends that you see happening in the world? Uh, Last time we spoke was about a year and a half ago. You had some concerns, but you're also very hopeful. What do you see right now as maybe the two biggest trends happening for humanity, the two biggest things that are probably going to manifest? Well, um, I would say that, that one of the biggest things that I think is going to happen throughout 2019, and, and certainly by the end of 2019, uh, I was just having a discussion about this uh, earlier in the office, uh, was is, is essentially um, this a grounding out, if you will, meaning people coming to a more grounded perspective, a more heart-based perspective on a lot of the key issues that um, are being fought for today. And in, in two or three that I would say that are, are, are top on that list would be when we're talking about gender equality, when we're talking about race uh, and racial divide, and also when we're talking about uh, you know different political issues that are very hot topics on a lot of people's minds, things like immigration and so forth. The, 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 what, what I mean by grounding out when I, when I talk about those things is ultimately that right now it's so polarized that we're unable to see in most cases, especially through, um, what I'll call sort of the left side, which really is the left is being used as a, as a mouthpiece for the cabal at this point. So, 
So a lot of cabal rhetoric is coming through, um, you know, the left and, and which is causing such a, a divide, which is, you know, kind of the goal of the cabal, if you paid a lot of attention to what's going on there. But essentially, when it comes to a grounding out of these perspectives, it's like all the polarity, the the, the ridiculousness, if you want to call it that, of a lot of the arguments that actually take the issues and, and sort of drown them into something where it's like it's unclear what people are even saying. Um, it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to come back to facts. It's going to come back to really understanding the issue, really realizing that, hey, this really isn't it, – it's not as simple as just saying – Oh, you know, it's about racism, sexism, you know, inequality, uh, you know, white male privilege, uh, you know, the colonialism and all that stuff. It's not as simple as just blanket statementing things as that. It's actually, it's actually much, much different. And so I think that's the big discussion that's going to happen, which I think is going to cause um, a lot more self-responsibility and a lot more um, just kind of grounded conversations in this whole thing so we can actually understand where we're at and create change. I, I think that's single-handedly one of the biggest things that is going to change here in 2019. And if you look at various animals on the planet, when people talk about evolution, I look at and observe certain species that, okay, well, they transform themselves and their bodies to handle certain physical conditions. But I'm theoretically wondering if there have been various species that have transformed their personalities or grown their personalities to become uh, more involved in community-type engagement and involvement. And the reason why I'm bringing this to your attention is because I wonder if the idea of evolution among humanity is a myth, if it is something that is only attainable by those who are seeking to have it, to grow, to expand their intellect, and teach those intellectual principles down from generation to generation. It is, is, is evolution, from your perspective, something that can occur naturally within our species, like a hundredth monkey effect. Uh, absolutely. I, I think the, the challenge sometimes is, um, you know, what the measurement for what that evolution is or looks like. Um, and I say that because I, I even think of it from uh, simple perspectives of what I've observed in, say, even the past 10 years, where I, I could say, you know, reflecting here in 2019, that the overall awareness of humanity and the, the shift that's occurring within the state of being of people that is, in essence, you know, in greater numbers is actually becoming more grounded. The challenge is, is that the conversations are becoming so wide that that the the extreme polarities are, are rising. So what it what going back to what I was initially saying at the beginning here, it there's a lot more loud and repetitive talk of things that feel and seem very unevolved. But the numbers of people that are actually growing in their awareness and their groundedness is increasing over time. And so I'm suggesting that by even the end of 2019, we're going to be hitting a much greater critical mass, whereby it's almost going to become like silly, if you will, to continue to uh, have these um, I guess you could say polarized discussions on such a large scale because th those arguments are falling apart more and more. And so I do think we can, we can already say, and we can already see that um, with, when you, when you think about how an evolution of consciousness happens and, and you think about what even human life really is, as we experience it on the planet, you bring together things like the mind, the body, and the spirit, and you start looking at, um, and within spirit, we can call consciousness, Right. And when we start looking at that, we're starting to realize that our, our, our reality 
is not just one of those things. It's all of those things put together. It's a, it's a marrying of those things as, you know, our consciousness is creating ultimately the physical world around us. And then the physical world around us is a feedback loop to our consciousness to say, hey, this is what you're creating. And you continue to evolve that and continue, continue to go from there. And so I, I do think we're already seeing it. We're already seeing that change take place. Um, and it's happening somewhat naturally as an evolution of consciousness over time, i.e. we don't need a, a single event or a single um, critical mass where all of a sudden a switch flips, but more so that it's always a gradual process. Um, and, and, and that gradual process is always creating a fluid evolutionary system where, where things are continuing to expand more and more and more and more. So when people at, would talk about the 100 monkey theory or, or, or what is it going to take for us to create sort of massive change, if you will, um, I think we're already kind of on that process. And in some ways, we've, we've reached critical mass, but there's a, um, there's an, a leg, if you will, in the way the physical aspect of our world responds to consciousness as it continues to evolve and continues to rise. So we're just kind of seeing a lot of the physical aspects, a lot of the mental programming, a lot of the people holding on. So it's like the consciousness aspect of it has evolved. And it's, and it's, in, it's, in essence, it's almost completed that process. Not, I wouldn't say entirely because there's never an end, but it's, it's opened up enough that it's allowing us to move forward. But are we willing from the physical level, from our choices in our everyday lives and what we choose to hold on to and not hold on to within our system, within our beliefs, within so, you know, everything like that, are we choosing to let it go? And, and that's where I think we sit at this point is, is uh, in very short, we've hit a critical mass, but are we, are we acting upon it? Okay. So do you think that this crisis or this impasse is a collective mental health crisis, a collective metaphysical spiritual crisis where it's the idea or the choice saying, look, you're either going to have to evolve and adapt to a new reality or you're going to go down with the ship holding on to your old ideals. And if so, if you're gauging most of the people on the planet – how comfortable do you think most people are in either making the choice to adapt to something new or hanging on to something old, knowing that their old values are going to collapse anyway, but it is the only reality that they've come to know? Yeah, I mean, you said it very, very well, I think, uh, at the beginning of that when you were discussing, you know, the idea of holding on. And, and if we hold on and hold on and hold on, we're kind of going to go down with the ship and, um, you know, that that sort of thing. I, I think that's uh, a very good way of looking at it, because when it comes to mental health, I believe that from, from what I see, mental health is almost like uh, when we're seeing the decline and we're seeing the, 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 the greatness of it expand across the population, um, specifically in areas of the world like the West or um, asp you know, per uh, parts of Europe where it's very, like, uh, very much like Western culture in terms of overconsumption, in terms of um, always striving for certain forms of success and certain ways of living, I think we're starting to realize that sort of the, the treachery, if you want to call it that, of that way of life, that way of being, that way of living, which is very disconnected. It's very uh, material. It's very body, earth, not, no, no consciousness, no spirit, no as uh, greater aspect of who we are, I think is causing us to, to, to realize like, hold on, is this actually allowing us to thrive? Is this allowing us to move forward? Is this allowing us to, to, to truly evolve in a, in a, in a good way? Or are we kind of are we kind of very stuck in an old game that we're really tired of? And the feedback loop we're receiving is, 
that it's not comfortable and that we actually can't deal with it anymore and thus mental health problems are, are rising. Uh, and since we don't want to talk about those feelings and it's not the culture to talk about those feelings very openly, we always turn back to, oh, let's just talk about policy. Let's just talk about politics. Let's just talk about pop culture. What happens is, is it furthers that loop and it furthers that degradation. But behind all of it, I, I believe there's, there's this, it, 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 when you ask, okay, well, what is the purpose of it? Why is it all here? Well, yes, the feedback loop, but also it's as consciousness continues to shift and continues to change, the, the general, I guess you could call like the energetic discomfort of even remaining in this state of being is it also pushes you to stop. Like I, I've had experiences with anxiety and with depression when I was younger before I started making a lot of shifts in my life. And I can tell you that anxiety and depression will stop you in your tracks. And if you don't make a choice to ask yourself, why do I feel this? what is going on, then what happens is, is you get stuck there and you get stuck in that loop forever. And you're always just trying to, you know, figure it out, figure it out, figure it out. Whereas I luckily had the, the root of having someone who could understand what I was feeling and, and, and all these sorts of things. And I got to work through ultimately that I was unhappy with the way I saw my life being projected as I moved forward. So I made the changes. I started living for me. I started dedicating when I said me, I was making choices that were about my desires, not what everyone expected me to do. And, and then through that, I started to develop a greater relationship with self, a greater understanding of my consciousness, my belief systems, all that sort of stuff, which ultimately led to not having the depression and the anxiety and, and so forth, because I was paying attention to the feedback loop. I just want to remind everyone, Joe is founder of site. Collective Evolution, collective-evolution.com. When you go there, you're going to have several sections, consciousness, news, disclosure, health. You have your own podcast. And I appreciate going to this site on a regular basis because you're always you know, putting a lot of cutting-edge articles that are out there that are always raising awareness about it. So uh, thank you for all the hard work that you do and your staff do. When we're looking at this shift and talking about uh, the potential of a evolution uh, a growth and evolution i wonder what impact these 5g networks are going to have on there because if i look at observing humanity i see a lot of people completely perpetually distracted and speaking with individuals who talk about manifesting who talk about changing and being able to bring from the non-physical into the physical they seem to have a common thread which is that a tremendous amount of focus is required. You need to focus your time, effort, and energy. Well, if we're already having many of our citizens perpetually distracted by phones, by TVs, by who knows what's going on, and then we add another element of distraction with 5G, do you see that as something that will kind of prolong the time it will take collective humanity to experience this growth because we'll be too distracted. We'll have too many things out there. Plus the fact is that the 5G waves could be having an impact on our body where our body is going to be focusing on fighting off whatever radioactive um, transmissions are coming from these 5Gs. I was wondering what your perspective is on that. Yeah, I mean, the, the 5G subject, um, when it comes specifically to how it may affect our consciousness from a distraction point of view, I'm, I'm not super versed on and have not yet put a lot of thought into that. So that's an interesting question that I think certainly would, would require more thought. Um, but from a, from a physical health perspective, 
I think 5G is, it's already showing some clear signs, especially with what we know from regular electromagnetic radiation and so forth that already existent today, that there is uh, an effect on our, our physicality, on our, on our health, on potentially our mental health and so forth. Um, it, the science is certainly clear enough that we should be saying to ourselves, you know, we need to think about using frequencies that don't interfere with the human body, that don't interfere um, even potentially with other aspects of nature and so forth, which is totally, uh, you know, an option. Um, the challenge is all the infrastructure, all the tech, all everything is already all built in a certain, um, you know, way of doing things when it comes to the frequencies. So it would require quite an overhaul. I mean, it's not to say we shouldn't do it, but you can understand why business and industry is moving in this direction. They think about profits. They think about, you know, hey, this is what we got to do. This is what we got to move forward. This is how we keep jobs. We do all this stuff. On a bigger picture perspective and where I ultimately kind of like to go with this topic sometimes is just thinking about regardless of what we feel is right or wrong in the situation, um, looking at how even from a very uh, uh, conscious point of view of saying, are, are, are moving forward with something like 5G and, and, and the disconnection that exists, and whether it comes from the cabal's agenda or not, it, even if it was a, a thought of simply, this is good for business, this is good for jobs, this is good for people, this is what we need to do, this is just how we advance technology and so forth, it, it illustrates the disconnection that we have between what we're doing in our physical world of, of systems and structures and, and economy and, and, and technology and so forth, and our very being and health and wellness on the planet. There's not only that, but even our, our consciousness. It, we don't seem to be connected enough to the true aspect of who we are and the totality of, of looking at things in a holistic manner. We like to just say, hey, this is, sounds like a good idea, and I don't really care what this affects, and let's do this. And so 5G sometimes to me serves as this really, really loud opportunity for people to make that reflective point and say, hey, regardless of like what we're fighting for, what does this show us about our overall society and what we're willing and choosing to do? And then it asks the question, which, which is ultimately the deepest question, is if this is how it has to roll out to fit within the confines of our system, does our system truly reflect something that can help humanity thrive? Or do we really need to begin looking at how we need to change our system such that everything isn't about excusing it because of jobs, because of, you know, the economy, you know, whatever it may be, right? And I think that's a, that's a, a perspective about 5G that, to me, there's still things that need to be figured out, but, but that's at least a talking point that I think helps us reflect on the bigger picture. Got it. And the, we have covered on our program the idea, it seems to be something that's inevitable through various people that we're going to have some kind of catastrophic event. I mean, uh, people listen to our program and talk about it. Well, I'll mention to you, it's, uh, there's going to be some kind of financial crisis. Do you, have you observed that something's going to happen if it's not going to be a financial crisis, maybe something's going to happen within our earth? Because right now, it's the disturbing report saying that the polar ice caps, or that's not the polar ice caps, but it's the magnetic field, is shifting so dramatically that they have to update these. So do you believe that it's going to take some kind of cataclysmic type event to bring humanity to its knees to be in a tremendous amount of pain in order for them to rediscover who they are? Or do you think that a change, an evolution, a growth can occur 
without a tremendous amount of pain, a tremendous amount of um, an event that will kind of let people know and remind them altogether that we are one collective species? Um, it's a good question. It's, it's certainly one that has come up so much in terms of, you know, people talking about the event and different cataclysms and all these different things. And, you know, I, I always feel it as there's um, there's a spectrum of possibility, you know, existing at, at various points in time. And uh, and it, the reality of the situation is I think we, we, we may need something to that effect. We may also be able to just do it where um, we continue to really, really take responsibility like making the choices like we were talking about in, in one of the earlier questions is just making the choice to really live your authentic self to really live through um what you truly believe and and, and understand and are starting to uncover within where it's not just a uh, you know a new spiritual or conscious concept that we understand and we go oh, okay great and i and i share a meme when i see it and i i say it when i when i need to say it to a friend but but i can't live it that's this. The more of us that choose to live that, to embody that energy, to embody that authenticity, I think the more it actually will begin to create a, a greater change across our collective. It's like when people say we are in control of the of the, the world that we create. Yes, we co collectively we co-create our reality, and we truly are in control. The more of us that actually make the choice, and and that aren't sitting back in a sense and waiting for. Uh, the outside environment to tell us when we should make the choice, but that we should just start making it now. Um, the more things will change. And, and, you know, I think when it comes to something like a financial crisis, when it comes to these sorts of things, when it comes to pain and suffering, um, if you look around, there's, there's a good chunk of that sort of thing happening. Um, and I do think that from a collective consciousness perspective, sometimes we, we turn the dial and say, is it hot enough yet? Are you, okay, do you want it a little hotter? We could, you know, we could make it a little, you know, I think we can do get? that. What's that? How much crazier can we possibly make it? Right, exactly. And and so I think it's a, it's an ongoing choice um, in a way where, again, the more we, the more we choose to just see the signs and, and live, live by them and live by them from a, a conscious point of view, um, the less we're going to require that. But I, I do tend to feel that uh, pretty deeply that um, I don't think humanity is going to destroy itself uh, as, as a lot of people sometimes will feel that we're, you know, our only course is that eventually it's going to go there and so forth. Um, I don't feel that right now. Uh, I do feel that there's going to potentially be some tough and traumatic times, but the, the type of times that I really see are tough and traumatic times on an emotional level, specifically when we have to learn and come to terms with some of the various truths that we're going to have to accept about how our world has been and who's been running it and so forth. Um, I think I, I, I distinctly see that um, in terms of like, there are a lot of people being prepared now through through being quote unquote awake early and and really seeing what's been going on before others and and, and going through this journey of having such a difficult time having to find your peace through it all and then with the more that that finally do find that peace and and really are, are solid within the more it opens the door for others to then go through that journey so they can be supported by the others. And so you can say, have been through here. Here's how you stay grounded. Here's how you move through this. Here's how we do that. And so I think a mass exposure, for example, of various facts that would absolutely cause people to go into like a holy shit type moment um, about their reality and what's going on. I think those are coming. 
Well, um, I, and, I want to thank you about that holy shit. I want to point out that one thing that you're saying about the holy shit moments. I when I go to your site and I see other reports, I think that those holy shit moments there are a lot of them are out there. But it's that cognitive dissonance that is preventing people. I mean, what do you think it's going to take for somebody to say, oh, my God, okay, it doesn't matter how much cognitive dissonance you have. You cannot deny it at this point. There's no way of denying it anymore. What would you foresee, like maybe one or a couple of things that would have that effect that would shatter the cognitive dissonance? Yeah, I would say one, collective consciousness. So uh, the the less amount of experiences, i.e., people on the planet that are uploading to the collective consciousness saying, this is how I am and this is how I live. So the less experiences that are living in this rigid form of cognitive dissonance, the less collective power there is for others to remain in that state. That would be one layer. Another layer would be the more people that are leading by example on just a very physical level, physical world level, where they're living their truth and they're exhibiting it authentically in all cases that people observe that and go, holy shit, like, that's what that looks like. That's what that feels like. I actually see areas where I need to do that myself. You know, I I wrote an article today about um, Gillette's new commercial about toxic masculinity and so forth, which, which was a great commercial. And there's a lot of really interesting points within that. But I ultimately brought up the discussions that are, are going on, like I said, with, you know, with, with gender inequality, with sexism, with racism and all these sorts of things and how, extremely polar they've become and how inaccurate and in, 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 in disin uh, and how much disinformation is within all of that, you know, only to realize and to call upon examples of people that used to be so extreme in those movements, but who've actually gone from extreme to leaving the movement and finding a place of peace about what the actual answer is to create change within these things. And, and so the cognitive dissonance for them broke down through actually choosing empathy asking what does the other side actually think what if i let go of all my political like strongholds and my belief systems and my identification with a particular thing and and my label of what i think i am as an activist even per se and i start actually asking who what do people feel that i'm fighting against what happens when i no longer see myself having an enemy but instead it's just a, a situation and and this is how these people are starting to find uh a, a lot of, I guess you could say, more, just more grounded and neutral approach where the cognitive dissonance and their bias, they're peeling back the layers of their bias and they're seeing the truth. And I think the more of that that happens, the more that's encouraged, the more that's the culture, the more we remain calm and, and, and relaxed when we have our conversations with one another and, and knowing that it's okay to disagree for periods of time and so forth. Um, I think the more that, that, that the cognitive dissonance will sort of melt away because we're, we're choosing not to be in that state. We're actually choosing to be in a state of, of, of greater awareness and greater self-awareness. Joe, I love reading articles about health and collective evolution. And of all the articles that you've posted, are there any, like, like three or five particular health insights that you think are pretty profound? Is there anything that you recommend people do on a daily basis? Is there a supplement that they can take that can improve their health? Is there a certain activity they can do that can dramatically improve their health? Because if you watch the TV, it seems that if you want to be healthy, you have to take you know this prescription pill, which has 100,000 side effects, which you need other prescription pills to counteract <laughs> the side effects of that every single prescription pill. So what would you say would be yeah. some of the health best health insights that you can, people can find in collective evolution? 
Yeah, you know, it's, it's funny you bring that up because we, we actually, we've been chatting within the office, like how our, our health section over the past like month, for example, has been very sparse because, um, you know, just we, we have not been able to focus on it for, for lack of what else is going on in the world and so forth and our, our limited resources and, and, and the amount of journalists we currently have. We just haven't put a lot of thought into that. But um, I always go back when it comes to that to, uh, just my own journey and, and what it is that I choose to do on a regular basis that affects health, whether we're talking physical health, mental health, spiritual health, whatever it may be. Um, and, you know, for me, it's it's increasing like your fruit and vegetable intake uh, is, is a huge thing um, in a big way, because uh, the, if you if you look at it, you know, the things on the planet that that very clearly don't harm our bodies that we eat there's usually never an argument unless it's a very misinformed argument like some people will say the fruit and sugar is, is harmful for you which you know or sorry the sugar and fruit is harmful for you you know the sugar that you find in fruit is not harmful for anybody when you're eating it in a whole fruit form um, it's a different different approach when you have some people currently with diabetes but you know that's a whole other subject um, but I would say increasing that a, a lot is always a good thing having good access to clean water um, is, is always a good thing. I always like to, to say meditation, making it a habit, even if it's something that is small each day, um, is such a good thing to, to make sure that you're doing regularly. Um, movement, making sure that you're moving and you're not, you know, sitting in stagnancy and, and, and then where that leads in terms of body pain and then where that leads in terms of immobility and then ultimately how that starts to affect our overall mental health and other aspects of our health is huge. Right. We want to we we want to take care of the physical body that we're in so that, um, you know, our our because it all works together. The mind, body and spirit all works together it, to 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 fully experience this reality. So there's there can't be neglect in a sense on on any part. That also doesn't mean it has to be a huge, massive chore to do it all. It's it's really actually a lot simpler than um, than sometimes it feels out there because the health world can be very, very confusing and full of so much information. Um, and, you know, to drop a, a personal, uh, I, I guess, discovery in my own, I, I'm studying uh, Dr. Morse's uh, detoxification uh, program right now. And um, one of the things that I, I will say that I think is, is really interesting for people to do more research on, and it's only because I witnessed it as one of the biggest health trends uh, going on out there right now, and it's the high fat, high protein stuff. And I would say that is one thing I like to draw attention to as as doing more research and more information on and why you should avoid it is because if you look at how high fat and high protein truly affects our the systems of our bodies, the organs within our bodies over longer periods of time, it never really ends well. Um, we we are beings that survive very, very, very well off of, of high high fruit diets. Um, again, it's something that you're going to see a lot of people oppose, a lot of people get upset at. And it's typically because if you look at the physical body of a human being at this point, the levels of, of detoxifications within our lymph systems, our adrenal systems, our, our, our uh, various organs like our uh, kidneys and our livers, there is so much cleaning that has to be done there to fully experience what health is on this planet. And unfortunately, that cannot be done and only further degrades when you have very high levels of protein and very high levels of fat within diet over long periods of time. So that's, that's, those are my little tidbits on that. I, again, I, we'd have to have a whole conversation on that to really get into it. But um, 
definitely do some some further research on that for those that are interested. I've read a lot of articles in your site about talking about the benefits of veganism. And as a vegan myself, I just want to say that in my – I stopped eating meat probably my mid-30s. I have more energy now in my 40s than I did when I was in my 30s for sure. I, and I, I noticed that there's fundamental shift in how incredible your diet has an impact on how you how you think and also how you feel. There's another part I really find interesting about collective evolution is that you guys really do put a lot of articles about out about disclosure, which we find really fascinating. We've had Dr. Greer on our show before. We've had other individuals who actually had communication with beings from other planets, and I find that really fascinating. So what is it about disclosure that you feel is so important that you want to cover it? And are there any things in the past year with regards to disclosure that you think that everyone should be aware of? Yeah, I think um, for me, disclosure has always been a subject of when you really look at the implications of not just the UFO phenomenon, which which I think at this point is pretty pretty well we know there's UFOs. I mean, there's you can't really deny that at this point. It's more so who's running them, who's who's in them, uh, where do they come from, and so forth. Because that's that's where you start suggesting that there's life other than human beings, right? And and I I think for me personally, if I were to strip away the intuitive aspect and the and the you know my own experiences of communicating with beings, I would say that you know just looking at the physical evidence that's there, the whistleblower accounts that are there and so forth, I would say it's well well more than likely that there is life other than human beings. Like even if you take away the philosophical question, you're just looking at hard evidence of what whistleblowers have been saying. If we listen to them in the same way that we're learning that, guess what, we have to listen to people that are victims of, of physical or sexual abuse, you have to start listening to them and taking their accounts seriously. And you, you investigate it. That's what you do. You don't just believe it immediately. You, you listen attentively. You listen open-mindedly and you investigate and you determine what is actually happening here. And it's the same with anything in life. And if we do that, when it comes to the, the conversation of aliens, of conversations of extraterrestrial beings, we start to paint a picture where it's very clear that, that, more than likely that these beings are, are in fact real and that there's potentially hundreds and, or, or even thousands or even tens of thousands of beings out there, different types that are having experiences. And that could, that could then extrapolate out into the millions when you start you know, getting into the philosophical idea of it. But just talking about what we know from whistleblower account, it's, it's already huge. And why I think that's such a big subject is because it leaves no aspect of society and of humanity untouched when you really start to look at the implications of this entire subject, it changes the way we view ourselves, the way we view each other, the way we view life, the way we view our planet, the way we view the way we live, the technologies that we use, our economic systems, our ideas of borders, our ideas of countries, and, and everything. It goes, it goes all over the place. Ultimately, the, the, the analogy I always like to use is, is the, the, the consciousness shift of, let's say, uh, Native uh, Native American be, uh, uh, people who, when let's just say this happened in a in a in a more peaceful sense, where Europeans came across the water and they met uh, natives, and instead of the whole genocide that occurred, it was more so, oh hey, um, wow, you have specific cultures, specific language, specific way of doing things, specific understandings, perhaps even specific technologies that we don't have, and vice versa. 
So they trade those ideas, they go back to their respective places, or in, in one case, the Europeans go back, but the natives are still there. And all of a sudden, the expansion of knowledge within those various communities has become huge. It's like you, you only can learn, in a sense, at times, so much from the people around you, from, from, from what's going on there, until at some point you become ready to take that to the whole next level. And the yearning that humanity has at this time to learn more about the extraterrestrial phenomenon, the UFO phenomenon, I mean, the, the popularity of this subject is, is absolutely undeniable. It is huge. And I think that yearning is coming from a subconscious or a deeper consciousness exploration for we've done a lot here on the planet. Yes, we need to learn how to get along with one another. That is a very big part of this process that we're still going through. But in a way, we're ready for much deeper relationship with aspects of, of ourselves that come in the form of extraterrestrial being. And, and I think that's why that subject is so huge. I'm glad you said that because I am totally ready for deeper relationships. I think there's so much more than what we see on our phones. And as far as disclosure goes, when it comes to evolution, I know that some people say, okay, well, look, we, there are these civilizations. They're quote-unquote advanced because they've got this incredible technology. They can travel faster than the speed of light. You know, they are one collective planet where everyone kind of gets along. But I'm wondering, what is the difference between a civilization that has incredible technology and a civilization that is evolved in consciousness? Because we seem to have a lot of technology. We can send billions of bits of information through the thin air, yet sometimes you can't put two people in a room together and not expect them to, to battle sometimes. So I'm wondering, from your perspective, where do you? how would you um, – sorry um, – assess these alien civilizations as far as you know, between the technology and where they are collectively speaking in their evolution. Yeah. I mean, um, going, going to more of a, I guess a, you could say a philosophical at times intuitive perspective. And even at times when looking at it just from a, uh, uh, the accounts of whistleblowers, if you were, if I were to combine all of that and, and give an answer, it would sound something like, um, there are races all around, um, you know, whether it's this galaxy, other galaxies, you know, other aspects, far-reaching aspects of the universe that, that are projecting different experiences because, you know, creation, if you will, is just a, a gamut of experiences all continually evolving and enriching itself by having various types of experiences. And so there are, you know, extraterrestrial beings that would, in essence, be more or, or sort of less evolved uh, than humanity in a sense. And, and that would be both in consciousness and in, in technology. Um, there may be beings that are highly evolved consciously, but perhaps uh, experience reality in, in a less uh, evolved technological uh, point from, from the technological point of view. Um, I think that there's probably beings that, um, well, actually, I, I, I recall, for example, um, in existences where the physical realm, the physical body is much less a factor in the existence like it's it's almost like your physicality and, and everything around you is almost see-through and it's it's more etheric um thus those existences and states of consciousness and states of being are more about quick manifestations you don't even care about technology because everything can almost be manifested just by the, the aspect of thought and the aspect of just creating something and so it's it's kind of like it's less about um 
you know, that relationship as much as it, if you could imagine it in a sense, there's going to be a combination. There's going to be some that are, you know, more, less evolved, more technology, less technology and so forth. I, I think humanity is at this, at this point, And this is where uh, extraterrestrials have, again, evidently interfered uh, with our nuclear processes because they're starting to realize that our consciousness is not yet at a point where we can actually responsibly handle the existence of nuclear weaponry, um, which is why they've worked to shut it down at various points. They've, they've actually shot down missiles or deactivated missiles after they've been fired. Um, again, this is on record. So I think humanity is at this point when we're specifically talking about us and our existence where, where we have to evolve our consciousness to catch up with not only our technology, but some of the aspects of the way we are using our technology that are actually harmful to our physical body, but that could be done in different ways that aren't. And I think that's where we're at. Excellent. So the final question I have for you is where do you see collective evolution going? Cause this one, you know, you've got this new channel, the collective evolution TV. It's fantastic. You're going to have all these incredible interviews that are on there, but in addition to the TV show, where else do you see the, the, um, the going? Um, I, I think at the moment we've been, you know, it's been such an interesting, uh, I guess, year and a half. Uh, we went through quite a challenge after, um, you know, Facebook started to make some pretty intense changes to their algorithm that, that was very disruptive to independent media and alternative media in general. That's awful um, what they were doing. Yeah, it, it got pretty intense. We, uh, you know, kind of... I guess you could say, if you want to say escaped, uh, being fully shut down at other sites uh, and, and Facebook pages didn't have that, uh, that, that experience. I, I have many reasons and we can go on forever discussing why, cause I have, I do have a lot of observations and theories on that. Um, ultimately though, through that, we, we had to sort of rebuild what we were doing from a financial perspective, from the ground up to make sure that one, we could keep going and doing what we're doing, but it slowed down perhaps what you could say is some of our visions and our, our dreams for where we wanted to go with it as it responds to, you know, really what the collective requires at this time. And so for us, I really look at it as the, the next, the next year here is, is going to be about solidifying um, our journalism to the next level, uh, taking it into, uh, we feel that there's a, a pretty sizable gap when it comes to investigative journalism in this space. There are, there are various authors and various people who do an excellent job of that, but it's hard to find a platform that really, really, really will dive deep on subjects consistently that, that covers things like current events and so forth. So it's hard to, you have a lot of conspiracy theories at times, and a lot of times they're, they're true. And I use the word conspiracy theory because that's how people relate to things. But, but sometimes it's missing that extra bit of deep dive journalism that would blow the story open. And it's not being done because it, guess what? It takes a lot of time to do that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like it takes a really long time to put together a very grounded, very fact-oriented where you leave no stone unturned type of discussion that doesn't sound like you're coming from, you know, a very uh, extreme point of view. And so that's one thing that we want to bring to our journalism and offer on our platform is, is this really deep dive journalism. Um, and then of course, expanding out CETV and, and, and creating more education and more courses and stuff like that. Uh, that's, those are probably some of our immediate goals in terms of a future is really just um, creating a platform that, that operates very ethically, very, uh, you know, fairly and very openly to everyone that it works with, 
Um, and then at the same time, uh, staying true to the message, regardless of what, what truths come forward and so forth. Mr. Joe Martino, the founder of Collective Evolution. I want to thank you so much for being with us today. To learn more about Joe, please go to his website at collective-evolution.com. Again, the site is updated on a regular basis. They've got some articles of consciousness, news, disclosure, health. They even have their own podcast. And be sure to definitely check out Collective Evolution TV. Mr. Martino, it's a great honor to have you back. Thank you for all that you do. All right. Thank you so much. I, I truly appreciate the uh, opportunity to discuss, and I appreciate the, uh, the kind words about our work as well. Okay, everyone, that concludes today's edition of the Out of Limits of the Truth Radio Show. Special thanks to our featured guest, Mr. Joe Martino, and special thanks, as always, to our virtues, Ms. Carrie O'Connor, Ms. Lisa Kaza, and Ms. Constance Dallas. And also, on a special occasion, I want to thank the voices in my head, because you're always telling me to go to the refrigerator, and you're never telling me to do anything evil. So, voices in my head, special thanks to you, too, as well. Hi. <laughs> I know. To learn more about the Outer Limits of Infinite Truth Radio show, please go to our website at OuterLimitsRadio.com. Until the next time we meet, my friends, I wish upon you an abundance of peace, love, and beers. Take good care, and thank you so much for listening.